0: Everyone ready? This is the SEC Insider Hit. Presented by your local Farm Bureau insurance agent. Go local.
1: Go with a home team. Oh, man. Crazy things happening in Tuscaloosa. Good morning. Welcome in. We are the Out of Bounds show. ESPN 1059, The the Zone. Love the feedback on what you guys are, uh, what y'all are going to cook. For the Super Bowl. And with, you know, high of 60 and sunny, fire up the grill or the smoker early in the morning to get ready for that uh, 530 kickoff. We've had a couple of people invite Blake and out of Super Bowl parties. So that's cool, too. Um, I may have to hit one pregame. Once the game kicks off, I got to be at the house. Uh, That may make me lame, but it is what it is. Out of Bounds is brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance and our next guest, Brad Edwards, 25 years at ESPN, University of Alabama Crimson Tide alum. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line. Brad Edwards, good morning. How you been, buddy?
0: Oh, I've been uh, pretty well. Um, Survived the uh, Arctic blast uh, over the weekend. We had a Saturday morning. I know it's been cold uh, down there, too, but... uh, Saturday morning, we had temps below zero with wind chill in the minus 30s, Um, which which is, uh, you know, bad enough if you don't have to go outside (laughs) Um, in this case, I have a dog. That is uh, taking some medication that makes him drink a lot of water. So he's constantly having to go out and <laughs> relieve himself. And uh yeah, I mean just time after time I had to keep going out, standing there, watching him do his thing, and then just come on man, get back inside, get back uh, inside. But yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a different world uh when you start to get it and and I mean you think about <laughs> You think about uh, not that they've played a whole lot of football games and, and weather quite that bad, but you just you have a, a better appreciation for. Let me. I'll say this: the coldest show that I ever went to all my years doing college game day on ESPN Radio. The coldest show that we ever had was you may remember a while back, um, Northwestern and Illinois played a game at Wrigley Field. You know, yes. it was a really unique thing. So we went there for that. And and neither team was very good, Um, but it was just because it was cool. They're playing in a, you know, just legendary baseball stadium. And it it was in November and it was freezing. And I just, it was just one of those where you just can't even feel your feet. You, You can't move your fingers and your, your cheeks are frozen. It's hard to talk like one of those type things. And it, It certainly didn't give me more of an appreciation for Big Ten football, but it gave me more of an appreciation (laughs) for Big Ten football fans, right? Like just the fans and to see them on TV now in some of those games and a PAC student section, it's like you you don't realize what it takes. And That's dedication to your team to be out there. (laughs) The teams might not be that good, but the fans are dedicated.
1: Uh, out of Bounds, ESPN, one hundred and five, Dive the Zone. Brad Edwards, twenty-five years at ESPN. I be, so you, who was with you on the show at that time when you were freezing at Wrigley?
0: That was probably Ryan Rosillo as the host. Trevor Maddich was the was the other analyst with me for every year I was on the show. Right. So the only the host changed. I okay. think that was that was back when it was Rosillo.
1: And, and where were y'all set up at Wrigley? Like.
0: Across the street from um I mean it was kind of uh I, I would I would say we were across the street from like the third baseline. Uh whatever I guess I guess the Cubs probably have the third base dugout. I'm assuming that's their, you know, home it's usually the home dugout. So we're kind of like across the street from where the Cubs dugout would have been.
1: Okay. Wow. And that your side of the stadium. Sh- your show was like I mean, it was a marathon. It was like six hours on Saturday, wasn't
0: it? Oh, yes. Yeah. We had a seven-hour show, and <laughs> we had to get there like two hours before the show started. Oh, so, I mean, that's... hey, look, our, our crew our crew was there long before we were, and they were lo- there long after us taking everything down. So I have a lot more sympathy, not to mention, look, they, they try to help us out, you know, by by putting some kind of... Heaters up there, and giving the giving us these little hand warmers to put in our pockets and stuff. And and those guys didn't have all that stuff. So right, I mean, if, if there's if there's anyone
1: that deserves a,
0: deserves a raise for being out there, it wasn't us. It was them.
1: So do you remember a, a hot one, like down in down here, it maybe in Baton Rouge um, or Gainesville where y'all pulled like a second or third week of the season, and it was you know. Uh, so 90? the
0: hottest one. The hottest one would have been in Dallas um, or, or Arlington. Um, remember when uh, LSU and Oregon opened the season yeah. at Jerry World? And I think it was the 2011 season um, when LSU just dominated like all the way up until losing the national championship game to Alabama. Um, but I, I believe that's what which season that was. It was it was a scorcher, uh, as it often <laughs> is in the DFW area, first weekend of, of September. Um and I, I I remember that was one where um uh T V game day was in the same location and they they were having to like fun like they were having to put like tubes of like from the air conditioner um up the backs of the chairs of the guys on the set wow. in order to in order to try to keep them cool <laughs> during the show. I mean, fortunately on radio, like you can just kind of walk around a little bit while you're doing it and I uh, mean you know, your your radio show you're always on camera but uh for us like you know we could like I could say something and then okay Trevor starts talking and I know Trevor's going to talk for about a minute so I'll go walk over and I'll go you know grab a drink out of the cooler come back Sure. You know? And you could do that stuff on radio you you
1: can't you can't do it on TV. Unbelievable. Wrigley, coldest and the hottest was uh Dallas-Fort Worth in Arlington for LSU and Oregon, Brad Edwards on the out of bounds show and the farm bureau insurance guest line. Uh, all right. So Bama has been in a meltdown mode for a while. And I just want to be honest. There's a lot of teams in the sec fans that have been enjoying some of this. Uh, I, you know, I'm in constant communication with Ron Fowler, who has a, a show in Tuscaloosa. And so now we've gone back to back years. Bama didn't even make it this year. Brad, and now they're the they're the hunter instead of the hunted because let's just Kirby Smart has leapfrogged Bama right now, and they are the program in college football. What do you hear from your Alabama colleagues, alums, and so on about where this is where this is headed?
0: Yeah, I don't know that I hear anything that you know, would be surprising or out of the ordinary. Um, Obviously, this is the first time uh, during this Saban run that there's no doubt that someone has passed Alabama. You you had the the time where Clemson won two national titles in the three-year span, but Alabama won the one in between the two that Clemson won, and they also won the one before Clemson started, and then they won again before Clemson ever won again. So, I mean, there were people at a certain point that were trying to make an argument that, you know, maybe Clemson has passed Alabama or at least caught them. But in this case, uh, when you win two in a row, then th- there's there's no question um, that you are now the team to beat. And and Georgia is. And so Alabama, like you said, they are the hunters. They're not the hunted. Georgia is the hunted in the SEC uh, and, and nationally. Now, I mean, to, to keep it in perspective, you know Alabama still finished number two and number five in those two seasons, and it's not—it's not like they fell off a cliff. But you're you're looking at uh, a lot of unknown going into the season because it's not just that. Okay, now they're you know clearly the number two team in the SEC, but on top of it, uh, they are replacing both coordinators. Uh, they are replacing their starting quarterback. And uh, where do they go from here? I don't know. But it's one of those that you feel like if this were to result in another season that they didn't reach the, the college football playoff or they, they don't win the SEC, um, you know, then I think the people who want to declare the dynasty over really have a lot of ammunition. At this point, look, the, the best argument you have is is simply that uh, Saban's getting older. You know, I mean, because the results on the field have, while while it's shown that Alabama um, is not at the level of Georgia, it, it's not like the rest of the country has caught up to Alabama. Um, so I, I think I, I think you got to go one more. Look, and the other thing about it is that since Saban got there, they have never gone more than two years in a row without winning the national title, and that's right. where they are right now. Two in a row. They they two years in a row they didn't win it, but they, they're. There haven't there hasn't yet been three straight years without winning it and so if they don't do it here then you can say okay this is this is new ground this is the longest drought that they've had and um, and we'll you know we'll see where it goes but uh, but at this point you know for, for all those who have been hoping for the end of this thing for about 10 years um, this is the uh, this is the first time you're finally starting to see just a little twinkle of light at the end of that tunnel
1: and, Brad, he took advantage, and there's nothing wrong with this, over 12 years, about 12 years. Saban took advantage of uh, Tennessee, uh, Florida, Auburn, and LSU going through a lot of dysfunction with with coaches and so on. And while Georgia was good, they weren't ever going to get over the hump and really be what they are under, say, uh, under smart with Mark Richt. So now all of a sudden you flip this, Brad Edwards, and you have Hypel operating at a pretty darn high level at Tennessee. You have Smart, who's running the number one program in the country now. Uh, you have Hugh Freeze at Auburn. I fully expect them to win and win big. They they're not gonna win like Bama and Georgia every year, but I, I don't put it past Freeze to have good teams every three years. And I don't I don't think he'll fall apart at five and seven or anything. And LSU's got Brian Kelly, who I think they are operating at a very high level under him, much more than than Miles Ogeron. And we'll see what Florida does. Do you agree with that, that, you know, that 12-year window and Saban took advantage of it in tip of the cap, but it is totally different today with what I just referenced?
0: Yeah, I think there is a difference as far as the, the, the quality depth of coaching in the SEC and, and guys who are proven, you know, to – you know, to have had success at a very high level, that's the difference. Now, during this run that Saban has had, it's not like the SEC has been bad. Like you pointed out, they've been inconsistent. You know, because because during this run, um, you you've had other schools in the SEC that have won national championships, and and I would, uh, you know, throw on top of that that the 2019 LSU team and. It's funny. Like there was a lot of conversation right after the national championship game this year about was this Georgia team the greatest one ever? I don't think they were as good as the previous year's Georgia team. I thought I thought the the twenty twenty one team with the dominant defense was was actually a little bit better. But people go off. You know, it's a recency bias. They're going off of the score of the national championship game. They forget they were one play away from losing in the semifinal. Um, but uh, but regardless, those were two great teams. That Georgia had the last two years so so three of the last four years well I'll say four years in a row four years in a row the national champion has been a team from the SEC that was a great team not just the one that happened to come out on top but a great team when you look at at all of the metrics and only one of the four was an Alabama team so it's it's not like they haven't had to contend um with other great teams in the SEC over that span but it but there, there wasn't the consistency. Like you say, you know, LSU was for a lot of that time, just a quarterback shy of, of being that, that monumental threat to Alabama's dynasty. But they, but they, until Joe Burrow, they didn't ever have that guy. And and I agree right. with you that I think Brian Kelly is the, is the best coach in college football who has not yet won a national title at yes. the FBS level. And, uh, and, and look, if, if Les Miles and Coach O can win a national title at LSU, there's no reason that Brian Kelly shouldn't have a few very good chances before he's done. And, yeah, I mean, all of this, uh, it's just, you know what it is, is, is if you look at, okay, Georgia's 2023 schedule, and I'm sure you've looked at it. Yes. I mean, it's hard to find a game on there. Like, if if Tennessee doesn't ball. drop off too much, oh, yeah, if Tennessee doesn't drop off too much, maybe there's a chance they could get knocked off in of Knoxville. But that's pretty much it. Like, and and Alabama used to have schedules like that, where you'd look at it beforehand, you'd be like, you know what, there's one game right here that maybe they could lose, uh, but they're just that much better than everyone else. And and that's no longer the case, you know, where th- they're going to be three or four games on the Alabama schedule. Now, look, I mean, most teams in the country probably have eight or nine games they could possibly lose, but but Alabama, rather than one or two, we're now going up to three or four games that they could possibly lose each season and that just makes it more difficult. But I will also add, that's where the 12-team playoff becomes Alabama's friend. No doubt. Uh, and I would also add to the, the, the friend of Georgia and the friend of Ohio State, any of the teams that have that elite talent, now you have a little bit of a mulligan. It's not just that you can, uh, you, you could, for the most part, could always afford one loss. Now you can probably afford to lose two. Mm-hmm. And so we got one more year that you, you can't get away with losing two. Um, but you know, last year's Alabama team lost two games on the final play and they would have comfortably been in the, the 12 team playoff, you know, would have had a a really good seating. So as much as it it may seem like, okay, now it's kind of time to panic. No, I think that the the 12 team playoff, um, you know, is going to, is going to offer a little bit of relief to the situation.
1: He is Brad Edwards on the Out of Bounds show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone, 25 years at ESPN. We're talking Alabama, where they are, where they're going. Uh, both Bama and Georgia will have new quarterbacks. And, and so that will be interesting to see who can do it and, and be in the right spot. I agree with Brad on Georgia's schedule and on Bama's schedule. It's hard to see a loss on Bama's schedule because they host LSU and they host Tennessee. They're two road games that Brad referenced that they lost at the very end of the game. They lost on the road, um, which goes to show that they were not very, very far off. What what did you make of, I don't know if it's public humiliation, but... uh, you know Ryan Grubb. I don't want to get too bogged down because I know you're in real estate now, and and but Ryan Grubb, <laughs> OC at Washington. Yeah, you know he. It was a public deal where he went, he visited, he said no. The, evidently, according to al dot com, there were feelers put out to Joe Moorhead. He wanted to stay as a head coach. Eventually, Sabin lands on Tommy Reese, but that's usually not what happens to Bama, much less Saban. For something right. like that to be played out in the press and media, Brad.
0: Well, and I would say it happened with both offensive and defensive coordinators. They ne- neither hire, as, as you know, Kevin Steele. Um, I don't know if he's officially been announced, but all the reports are that Kevin Steele will be the defensive coordinator. Um, that neither one of those feels like it was anywhere close to Saban's first choice. Now, you know, is is, is that? Does that mean it's a disaster? Um, not necessarily, but I'll say this: like you mentioned, Grub, Grubb's offense or his the, the way that the way that uh, his offenses um, have been have been schemed, I guess is kind of the best way to say it. His his scheme, his philosophy, um, is very different from Tommy Reese. And now, granted, to, to some degree, Tommy Reese has always been limited by Notre Dame's personnel, and they always. They had better tight ends and wide outs and you know, and, and so they were they were going to be a, a more traditional style attack because of that, because if you're playing to your strengths, if you're smart, you're gonna to play to your strengths and that's kind of what you're stuck with. So maybe it's unfair to completely judge Tommy Reese on that. Um, and, and and a lot of Alabama fans right now are kind of justifying, okay, this is what Saban's doing, is like he looked at Georgia and look, I I, I I listened to Saban on the set at halftime of the of the national championship game um and even a little bit pregame just talking about what Georgia does with its tight ends and how difficult it is to stop um and 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 I get it I get like why he would say hey you know what maybe we need to go back to that style of play but the fact that he appeared to want grub doesn't necessarily suggest that that's, that, that was his number 1 objective uh now what, this is pretty much known is that whenever he hires a coordinator. That coordinator doesn't come in and install his own system. Right. Like he, he adapts to Saban's philosophy and what Saban wants to do. So it's not like, you know, the, the difference in coordinator would have made a huge difference in how the Alabama offense would look, um, but it would have made some difference. And, and so you look at both of those hires and yeah, it does feel like um, to a degree, maybe he was settling for a You know, third option or something like that, and I, you know, I I don't, I don't know uh, all the ins and outs of it, and who was offered and who wasn't, Uh, but but neither one seems to be the one that he wanted. Now, on the defensive side, the rumor has been that he really wants Jeremy Pruitt. Right. The problem is, is Pruitt is you know is is a target of the NCAA investigation at Tennessee right now, and you just can't hire. He's not hireable as a you know, as an on-the-field coach at this point because of that. And and so the, the rumor was that a lot of these other guys that Saban was going after were worried that, hey, I'm going to take the job, and then as soon as the NCAA clears Pruitt, now I'm going to be replaced, you know, because that's the guy he wants. So whether that played into it, I, I have no idea. But, but you're right. I mean, it certainly felt like for the first time, Saban was not able to get the, uh, you know, the coordinator that he wanted on either side of the ball, at least his number one option, and uh, and, it, and it's even more curious when you consider coming off of one of the great uh, signing classes of all time. Um, so it's it, it's not like there's evidence that their talent level is dropping. You would think, I mean, what coordinator wouldn't want to come in and you know work with the uh, with talent that's as good as you're going to find anywhere. But, uh, well, here's what I think it is,
1: Brad, I think it's, uh, and you may disagree. We got about two and a half minutes here real quick. I, I think it's, uh, the word is out about the schedule and lack of quality of life and guys can get paid at every bit of 40 programs around the country. And if they do well, they can parlay that into a head coaching job. You don't have to go through Tuscaloosa. Like I think we thought you did 12 years ago or whatever. And, um, they don't have autonomy, like you just said, and, and more and more coordinators are asking for either all or as much autonomy as they can get your thoughts.
0: Yeah, I can see that if you want to show, you know, what you can do, um, it, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to, to display your, your own system and your, your own scheme somewhere else where, where you're given full control. But at the same time, I mean, his his coordinators have a pretty good track record of getting head coaching jobs sure. elsewhere. And now the two most recent ones, you know, felt like, I mean, with, you know, Golding, I mean, look, it, defensive coordinator at Ole Miss is a good job, but it's not Alabama. That was a that was a, a step down for Golding. Um, but, you know, for, for O'Brien, going to offensive coordinator of the Patriots, um, I mean, yeah, he's gone to the NFL, back to the NFL, and it's a step up to some degree but at the same time it, it it wasn't really a promotion he just went from you know he went back to one other guy he he used to work for and so um this was this is kind of the first time in a while that you know that guys who were with Saban for two seasons or more that that you know neither one of them ended up getting a big career break mm-hmm. out of it and so uh, maybe maybe that is something that was considered by some of those guys too i don't
1: know yeah brad eberts Twenty five years at ESPN joining us on the out of bounds show, the state of the state for the Alabama Crimson Tide. We'll see where it uh where it goes in twenty twenty three. Great to hear from you. Thanks for your time today. Hope everything's going well. How's the podcast?
0: Well, I mean at the end of the season there's nothing now. So we're 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 shut down and you know whether I'll do something again next year uh remains to be seen. But um yeah, but uh, it, at the moment, it's just off season. So yeah. uh, like you said, it's real estate. <laughs> did, you,
1: did you enjoy doing it?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it was nice to be able to just kind of stay involved and,
1: you know, be able to um,
0: talk about it every now and then and, and just kind of get into it. Uh, it's a hard thing to kind of let go of, but, uh, but I'm, I'm fine with um, doing something else full time and just just kind of having college football as a hobby now.
1: Brad Edwards on the Out of Bounds Show. Good to hear from you, bud. We'll talk soon.
0: All right. Thanks for having
1: me. 25 years at ESPN. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Lunch today brought to you by Bulldog Burger in Ridgeland, Lake Harbor in Ridgeland. Bulldog Burger in Starkville and Bulldog Burger in Tupelo. We're live in the Bank Plus studio. The show is also brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. It's gonna be Blue, the official healthcare provider of the Out of Bounds Show. Blue Cross, Blue Shield of Mississippi. Straight ahead, more Super Bowl. Nuggets.